0: This episode is brought to you today by Magellan Asset Management, one of Australia's leading global equity fund managers. Now these guys invest in the world's best companies to grow and safeguard the wealth of their clients. To learn more, head over to magellangroup.com.au. Welcome to the Ladies' Finance Club podcast. I'm your host, Molly Benjamin, and I am thrilled that you're here with me today to talk all things money. Because let's face it, the world of finance can kind of feel overwhelming, a little bit male pale stale. But if you can get on top of your money, and we know you can, it will pay off big time. We're going to be chatting to the best experts in the country about how to build wealth and get on top of your money game so you can become financially fierce. It's easier than you think. Let's go get those dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right. So we just covered part one of Investing 101. Girls just want to have funds, woohoo! So if you didn't listen to that, go check it out now. So part two is actually all about how do you actually go about investing? So we're going to run you through what are the steps and the different stages of actually placing your first trade? And then how do you actually match your values with your investing? So check it out. Let us know what you think. Head over to our Facebook group, Ladies Finance Club Money Chat, and we hope you enjoy. And we really hope this inspires you to get started investing. If you have questions, that's what that Facebook group is for. A big thank you to Emma Kirk from Magellan for spending time with Ladies Finance Club and answering our cues. So let's start running through what are the steps. I know kind of which ETF I want to buy what do I do now? Or stock or share, sorry. What do or I do shares. now? Yeah, or anything else.
1: <laughs> anything else you want to buy in the Italian fruit and veg market. So, the first thing you need to do, we talked about in that in a, in part 1. If you haven't listened to part 1, listen to part 1 because this won't make sense otherwise. You've gone into this market, you've set up an account with one of the self-service stalls. So, you're going to do it yourself. You're not going to go to a stockbroker and ask for their advice. You're going to go to a self-service one, which is a share trading platform. So, The easiest thing to do is to set up that account. And you've got, there's a broad array of providers in the market. So you've got the major share trading platforms like ComSec, Nabtrade, CMC Markets. Um, CMC Markets also owns ANZ Share Investing. So if you're with ANZ Share Investing, the underlying engine of that is CMC Markets. And then you've got a number of smaller players in the market. You've got Bell Direct, which is actually also the back end of Macquarie. And you've got things like eToro, IG, Saxo, Superhero, Stake, Perla, Self-Wealth, Open markets you name it. So you've got a number of providers out there. Some are attached to a bank and some are independent. If you go to, with one that's attached to a bank, it's going to be pretty easy to set up because what you'll find is that you've probably, they've already ID'd you. They know who you are. And you can basically click a button and set up a shared trading account. I know that I'm with ANZ and there's a button there that says set up now. That's pretty easy. The other ones, you actually have to go and set up an account and be ID'd and transfer some cash. But Molly, you know a fair bit about this space as well. You've done a lot of research into these different providers. Yeah.
0: Look, with the providers, they all do similar things. And I always use the analogy because we love an analogy here at Ladies Finance Club. I use the analogy of if I'm going to go buy a lipstick, like there's a number of Places I could buy that exact same lipstick from. I could buy it from Mecca, I could buy it from MAC directly, I could buy it from Sephora, or I could buy it from Priceline. Now, for the diehard fans who know you can't buy MAC at Priceline, stick with me here. So let's say then, um, yeah, I want to buy that lipstick. There's in multiple places I can go. It's the same with like if I wanted to buy a share or an ETF. I can buy that exact same share or ETF through a number of different places, whether it be ComSec, which is, you know, one of the biggest platforms in Australia, or I could go to Superhero or SelfWealth or Perla, um, you know, some of the newer kids on the block versus the kind of more traditional banks. So look, at the end of the day, when I see women going like, I just don't know which one to open it on. I'm always like, okay, we'll check out the brokerage fees and then find out which one's best going to suit you. Because at the end of the day, all kind of do a similar thing but there is a slight difference between a couple of the different brokers isn't there Emma around who actually owns the shares or ETFs.
1: So let's say you go to um, one of the the self-service stores so let's say you go to Comsec or NAB Trade you will be given what's called a holder identification number and that's like having an account you've got a store account to buy your fruit and veg with that particular self-serve store so It's yours, your holder identification number. And if you were to own, say, BHP, you might own CBA shares, some ANZ shares, Um, they're all going to be on that one holder identification number. It starts with an X and then it's got 10 or 11 digits that go after it. But that's unique to you. All of the shares that you own and all of the ETFs that you own will have the same holder identification number and that is you individually trading on that. So when you buy and sell, that's what goes through the system and those major players will charge you a fee for that because you're using their technology. They've invested a lot in the pipes that sit behind this to make it easy and so you're going to pay for that. With the newer providers, some of them are a little bit more inexpensive than the majors and part of the way that they do that is they've got a what's called a custodial holder identification number or a custodial HIN And what that means is that everybody is on that one account and when that self-service checkout decides to buy and sell some apples, it does it as a mass trade as opposed to an individual trade, as opposed to just one or two apples being sold, that's all 50 at a time and your apples will be part of that transaction. But what it means is that if you're on a custodial HIN, you don't actually have legal title to those shares. So there are some risks associated with that, but it is cheaper. Um, And you just want to make sure that the provider of that as a company themselves is well funded, is going to be around for a while. But what it has meant is that the majors have actually brought their pricing down. Competition is good in this space. And so what we've found is that, you know, the Comsex, the NAB trades, the CMC markets of the world and even the Bell Directs have reduced their pricing off the back of that. And that's a win for you and I as investors.
0: Yeah, and there's also um, also micro investing platforms as well. So, and I always think this is a good place for people who are feeling really nervous and they want to dip their toes in the water. A couple of them, what they allow you to do is, if you got a coffee and it was four dollars fifty. It would round it up to $5, put that $0.50 cents, um, into an investing account for you, whereas other ones will just allow you to invest small amounts of money. So for example, ComSec Pocket, a micro investing app, you can do $50 um, and it and you choose like one of I think it's seven ETFs and it will invest the money um, for you with a $2 brokerage. So there's options out there. So you've got the brokers, but you also have like these more smaller micro investing platforms as well.
1: And it adds up. I think the thing is you want to invest to be something that isn't a hardship for you. You want it to be easy. You don't want to notice that money disappearing. And so the idea behind these rounding up platforms and this micro-investing is amazing. Don't underestimate the power of actually just doing small amounts regularly before you know it, the power of compounding will make you wealthy
0: yeah, I know my girlfriend started on a micro investing app and it was the first and she looked in it like kind of six months later and she was like, oh my God, I have a thousand dollars in there. That was the first thousand dollars she's ever had, like saved. So yeah, and I guess then if you're looking at long-term using these platforms, as we mentioned in the last podcast, just be really kind of aware of what fees are you um paying. Definitely. Great. So the first step to kind of going about actually Getting, purchasing your investments is open up some kind of broker account. The next one, M, we have to put some money in there.
1: Yeah, got to get some cash. The first thing is i probably say even before step one, save some money, do a budget, stick to it and actually use micro investing if you don't actually have the chance to save up and then you can take that amount of money and invest it. But if you've got the ability to actually just, you know, siphon off some money into another account so that you build up a bank, then use that money to start investing. So you have to have a cash account sitting alongside your brokerage account. And that is the money that is used to settle your trades. From there, you need to do your research as to what you want to invest in. And as we've already discussed, you've got a full buffet available to you. Um, You've got individual shares that you can invest in, You can buy shares here in Australia, you can buy international, you can get some exotics, you can also buy prepackaged stuff which is exchange traded funds with different flavours. So you've got a whole range of things. It's just about finding out what's right for you and I always say you can't go too far wrong in putting a portfolio together with some index funds at the core and some active ETFs to add some spice on the outside of it. You're going to get a nice level of diversification uh, across the market, which will give you a nice rate of return over a long period of time.
0: And I know a question we get a lot on international um, shares is questions around, well, how do I actually buy international shares? And a lot of these platforms that we mentioned before, they actually let you buy international shares on Yeah. There.
1: So you can do it. You can literally go and boast to your friends and go, I own Tesla or I own Apple or Amazon or something like that. Um, You definitely can do it. The only thing that I would say is that there are higher transaction costs in purchasing individual international shares. So definitely think that through before you do it. The second thing is the other end of it that nobody ever thinks about, and that's tax. Everyone ever likes to think about it. So what happens is when you buy an international share, you are owning an asset. In a foreign country, and therefore, you have to abide by the tax rules of that foreign country. So, if we were to buy uh, stocks in the US, we actually have to deal with the IRS. So, if I own them, I actually have to fill in what's called a W8BEN form, and I have to communicate with the IRS and tell them who I am and where I live. And there's a tax treaty with Australia, so you actually get the tax back, but they're going to tax you. And so, there's a fair bit of admin associated with owning international shares. So, think that through in terms of complexity and time taken. What you can do is you can buy an exchange traded fund that's domiciled here in Australia, that gives you access to those international funds. And at the end of the tax year, you get a tax statement that lays out all the different tax components, and it gets fed through the tax office, and you don't have to think about it. So I'm not saying don't invest internationally, I'm just saying just think through everything that goes with that, the costs and the admin. But an easier way is to get an ETF that gives you that exposure that's domiciled here in Australia.
0: Yes, and domiciled just means it was
1: created here in Australia? Yeah, it's literally um, an Australian unit trust that
0: is regulated under Australian law. So you could still potentially own, you know, the NASDAQ 50, so the Facebooks, the Alphabet, the Teslas, but it's just from a uh a- etf provider or who is based in australia Yeah, and the
1: fees that you pay that etf provider go to that it goes to the transaction costs and it also goes to doing the admin that's part of the fees that you pay for that and uh, i think it's money well spent to be quite honest
0: Yes, and we're going to be tackling all investments and tax when we do our session on um, tax in a couple of weeks. I can't time. wait. Sign me up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's called Talk Nerdy to Me. Let's get down to tax business. Good times. All right, so we've found what we want to invest in and then I know we kind of get to the next screen on the, um, the trading platform and it will say pick limit or market. And that's where people go, what, what? What Not, does that mean? What am
1: I doing? So picking a limit is you saying what you want to buy or sell at. So you're picking the price. You're saying, I'm a participant in this market, I want to buy apples at a dollar. And what you'll find is if you want to buy at a dollar, someone's selling at 98 cents, <laughs> that person who's selling is like, great, you want to pay a dollar, it'll match you up, you'll pay a dollar for it, and the transaction will complete complete. If however apples are a dollar and five and you're like, I want to pay a dollar. You're probably not going to meet. So that's you setting the price. However, if you set it at market, what happens? The system that runs this is absolutely amazing. It matches up buyers and sellers at the right price. So if you say I'm selling at market, and the word in the Italian market is, yep, apples are a dollar and five. If you put the order in at a dollar, you know, at market, it will match it at a dollar and five and the transaction will complete. It's 98 cents, the same thing happens. So with shares, you can set the price, and it—you know—it may or may not get there. You might find somebody out in the market who's like, "Yep, I'll swap you uh, at that price," and it works. With exchange-traded funds, however, you could set the price all you want. You can go, "I'm going to pay a dollar," but if the value of the ETF is a dollar and five, it's not going to come down because an exchange-traded fund's price is the value of all the underlying companies that sit inside it divided by the number of units on issue. So it can't come down in price unless the share price of every single share in that ETF comes down. And so you won't be able to, to complete unless you actually buy it at market. And so that's a trick that you could put an order in and it won't complete because more often than not with an ETF, you're actually buying from the fund itself and they're going to set the price at what the value of that ETF is. And so there's no kind of getting around it. You can't really buy them at a discount or less than what they're actually worth.
0: Yeah. And they do say with um, the stocks, when the stock market opens and when it closes, it's when it's the most volatile.
1: Very much so. You'll see if ever you've got the ability to, to see a live trading screen, you'll see this flow of activity and orders coming in at the start and the end of the day. And sometimes it works in your favour and sometimes it doesn't.
0: And with the ASX, so the Australian Securities Exchange, that's open from 10am Monday to Friday till 4pm. So if you place a trade, it will go through. Um, If you put it through, not in those hours, it goes through the next working day. We did a session on investing a little while ago and one of the ladies was so excited. She's like, okay, I'm going to go buy my investments now. And I was like, it's 8pm. It won't go through till the next day. So that's just something to be aware of as well.
1: Yeah. And then the next thing is, is you'll get a confirmation. So once it matches your buy and sell order up with another human being, you'll get a confirmation of that. And then you have settlement in what's called T plus two. And the way to think about that is like, if you buy a property, settlements in 42 days, with shares, it's settlement in two days. So it's transaction plus two uh, is what that means. So the money leaves your bank account straight away, and then it settles two days later and vice versa.
0: And that's the process. So exactly like if you were to buy something on eBay, you find it, you pick the one you want, you put the payment through, and then you become the owner of that item. It's the same with um, investments. So thank you for breaking that down.
1: That's The other thing that I would highly recommend that, that you also do is this platform that you're using should keep the cost base at which you purchased. But I'd also note it down because tax is amazing. You want to know what your cost base is going forward. So you need to know the original purchase price. So make sure you record that somewhere safe.
0: Yes. And we've just brought out uh, investing in the stock market for beginners course. And within that course, we give you a template where you can actually write down the date you bought it, how much you bought it for, you know, where, all the details. And then when you sell it, how much you sell it for, which can be very handy for tax time. And then what I've also done is I've gone through six different online broker platforms and just showed you what they look like on the inside and how to place a trade on those different platforms. Because sometimes it's kind of like, I don't know, what do they look like? Where do they start? So we've done a bit of the work there for you. But moving on to a topic that I'm very passionate about, and this is, I know for women, they are leading the charge on this front of kind of ethical investing and investing to match your values. Um, So have, ha- if someone is listening and they're like, I don't want my money to be doing damage to the world, I want to invest it you know, ethically, where do we start when it comes to this world? So the first thing I'll say that the broader term is ESG
1: environmental social and governance this is going to mean different things to different people and once again there is no right or wrong in this it is really down to your personal choice but let's kind of break them down what the the E the S and the G mean so environmental is impacts on the planet so either things that are harming the planet so it's like I don't want to invest in a company that is actually digging out you know fossil fuels and things like that or doing harm But then also on the positive, you may want to invest in companies that are actually doing good for the planet. And so that's the environmental side of things. The S stands for social and social is all about humans. So what is the impact of this company negatively on humans? Is there child labour involved? You know, is there pay inequality? Is there discrimination that these companies are doing in the negative? But then also the positive side of things, are there companies that are leading the charge in making change around the social side of things and doing good? And then governance, everyone's like, governance? What's governance? Governance is the ability to manage. It's like, how good are these companies? How transparent are they? How trustworthy are they? How compliant are they? And so that's what the G stands for. And so what you'll find is that you've got companies that sit on a spectrum on all of those things. So environmental, social, and governance. As I said, there's both, a you want to decrease those that are doing negative and those that are doing more positive in the world. It's up to you. You've got a choice. You can decide what you want to do in this particular space, and you've got a number of different options available. So you can invest in individual companies. You can also invest in exchange traded funds that look at ESG, and they will come once again in different flavors. They could be impact investors, i.e., those that are looking to make positive change. They could be ones that are just doing negative screening. So they're screening out things like tobacco, nuclear, gambling child labour and things like that so they're the we're not doing harm and then you may have ones that are doing looking at the governance side of things so the risk mitigation so good management and those that are actually going to protect shareholder capital and you've got a raft of different flavours but it comes down to doing your research a lot of companies have got sustainability reports on their websites they will have it in their annual reports so you're starting to get more and more transparency but the one thing I will say um, we have a number of ESG funds here at Magellan. So we have got our sustainable fund and we've also got our core series ESG. There's a lot of work that goes into unpacking companies and what they do. We do this all the time. We do this for a living. So we're going to, you know, ask the questions of those companies. And some people kind of say, oh, I don't want to go with big companies, you know, because they're doing harm. But actually some of the largest companies in the world are actually having the most positive impact. Great story I love to tell is um, Dom Giuliano, who uh, is head of our sustainable fund. He was doing a talk one night for us and someone, we had an investment in Starbucks and someone asked a question and they were they said, you know, Starbucks is a big company and, you know, they're not doing great things for the environment and all, you know, their packaging and all that. And he talked about what they were doing in terms of the value chain. They know where the coffee is coming from, the help that they give the farmers, the suppliers. They make sure that there's proper wages in place for people and their impact on the environment. But he questioned them. He said, and I can't put the brand up, but I've got a coffee cup here. It's like he questioned that person. He said, well, do you know where your coffee comes from at your local barista? And the person was like, well, actually, no, I don't. He's like, well, with Starbucks, I know exactly where that coffee's come from. We can bag big companies, but they are actually the ones leading the charge in this space because they've actually got more to lose. So that's really important. And the other thing, my other little quirky story is I was helping my beautiful daughter Imogen with her geography last week and they were doing all about fast fashion and where Mm. the clothing was coming from and the packaging. And so we did a bit of research into different companies. And there's one company, I won't name it, but it talks about the fact that it's leading technology and leading the world in terms of what it's doing and i tried to find out actually where the cotton came from that they were using where they sourced it they had like a 70 page document talking about all their technology and what they were doing but i still couldn't find where their cotton was from and so sometimes some people can do a lot of the other thing i'll say is there's sometimes a bit of song and dance around esg Hmm. gotta scratch the surface and go what are you actually doing
0: Yeah. And I know sometimes that's referred to as greenwashing as well. Yes. And some women might be familiar with the term pinkwashing, greenwashing, similar thing where they're appearing to be very sustainable and do all the right things, but actually at the core, are they doing anything at all or are they really having impact?
1: Yeah, that's ESG. It's a very much an individual decision. But once again, do your research. And then if you choose to use an ETF that does this, The research is done for you and you can ask to find out why those companies are in the portfolio.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, as Emma said, you know, what I might consider ethical, Emma might not, or she might consider that ethical, I might not. So again, it's very dependent on your own value system. Um, I know there is a great website that I always like to reference. It's marketindex.com.au and they do have a list of all the different kind of ETFs, whether it be kind of the indexes, but they have a list of the ethical ones as well. So if you want to do your own research, you can look into all the different ones and see what matches your values the most. and, And
1: it comes back to what I was saying earlier. You are the owner of that company. And so by owning shares in companies that are doing the right thing, you can force change and that's really powerful. I think it's something that we all collectively can do. We can actually make changes in the world in a positive sense.
0: Absolutely, well, thank you so much, Emma, for joining us and teaching us all about ESG, but also how to actually put a trade through. Definitely, you're welcome.